Good morning. Good morning, church family. <laughs> My mic was on when I was in the third row, so I was making sure it was still on when I got up here. Kids, have a great morning. Thanks to our team that ministers to our kids. And um, as Ed did, it's fun to look around and see all of you and uh, not, not only see uh, fewer masks, certainly you have the opportunity to wear a mask or not, but also as I see lots of red, white, and blue, very festive of you, nice job. Uh, and so, you know, because of the date of today, because of your red, white, and blue apparel, you might find yourself thinking today of the Declaration of Independence, right? And we think of the symbols of our country, an eagle, a flag, a Statue of Liberty, and those make us think of freedom. Yeah, and, and yes, and so these things are good, and they're to be celebrated, and we can be thankful to God for them, for sure. It is 4th of July. Uh, it is a day to celebrate. Your red, white, and blue apparel is appropriate and good, and, and uh, we look forward to being using today to celebrate and thank God for the country we live in and the freedoms that come as, as part of that. Uh, but I, just, I guess I want to suggest that we consider that celebration begin a little later today. That, that as we gather here at 10.15 a.m. on a Sunday, that as we gather here as we do every Sunday as a church family, that we gather for other purposes, we gather for, I will say, higher purposes, and yes, we get to celebrate freedoms today. And I want us to think about that a little bit. So, so it's, it's, it's not, not taking anything away from 4th of July, not taking anything away from what we like to celebrate with that, but I'm just saying Sunday morning is an opportunity to worship this is not taking away from the 4th of July. I put my flag up on the front of the house this morning. I consider myself to be patriotic. I consider myself very thankful for the country that we live in. Um, but right now, and before that celebration begins, I want us to just remember that we don't worship nation. We don't worship flag. That we gather to worship our great God. And, and, and uh, God's, uh, America is not God's people. Remember, when we think of God's people, we think of followers of Jesus. We think of those who have been saved through Christ. And what we know from the Bible is that God's people are and will be from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Glory, hallelujah. Gathered around the throne and worshiping Jesus together. People like us and people much different than us all united because we are saved uh, by Christ. So today we want to worship Father. We want to celebrate the freedoms that we have because of Jesus. And that's where I want to spend some time this morning because I'm not convinced that we're as familiar with those freedoms as we are with the freedoms we have because of our citizenship in America. Are you tracking with me? So I want to take some time to think about the freedoms that we have in Christ. And I want to invite you to consider this morning making not a declaration of independence, but this is going to sound very odd. It's going to sound countercultural. It's going to sound counterintuitive. But I think as we proceed this morning, I'm going to invite you to make a declaration of dependence. And then later, go celebrate America's independence. Try not to blow yourself up in doing so, okay? Okay. Ready for that? Sound good? Yeah. With me here? So yes, the 4th of July is a day in the United States, uh, is a big day in the United States. We celebrate independence 
uh, as a nation we, and the freedom that we have to be autonomous. And you think about some of those words, and those are American values, independence and freedom and our, our, our being autonomous. And it's not just our country's values. That, that really has become part of, of us as well, hasn't it? If we're honest, we, we have a lot of desire to be independent and, 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 and autonomous and free. And, you know, when we think about the history of our country, uh, as modern-day Americans, we really don't deal with government oppression like, like believers in the New Testament, experiencing persecution and oppression because of their faith in Christ. We really don't deal with that kind of government oppression. But in a spiritual sense, here's where we move to things more important. In a spiritual sense, we really know this oppression well. As human beings, living on this side of eternity, living before the return of Christ, we really understand um, oppression in a spiritual way. And that's because all humans are sinners by nature and by choice. Sin, going against God, rebelling against God, doing our own thing, acting out our own desires is, is what comes natural. It, we, we sin by instinct, and, and we even sin by delight. We gratify the desires of our flesh, the Bible says. We just gratify, we, we give in to the things that we want, that we think are important, that we think we need, that we think feel good. And, and in addition to being stuck there in, our, in ourself and stuck in our sin, the evil one... Satan prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's a reality of spiritual warfare. There's a reality of good versus evil. There's a reality of the evil one who is looking to lure us, to, to keep us captive in our sin. And in that context, in that understanding of spiritual darkness, of spiritual oppression, what we're up against in our own nature, in our own flesh, with that understanding, freedom might sound impossible. Freedom from that, what you've experienced in the darkness of your sin and in, in, in the oppression of the evil one, prowling and luring and holding you captive to sin, freedom might seem like an impossibility. But look with me on the screen at Romans 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Let me read that again and then react accordingly, okay? That we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Hallelujah for the cross we sang. I was a prisoner and now I'm not. In Jesus, we are set free from being enslaved to sin. And so that's what we want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about is our salvation in Christ, our salvation, the rescue that God has provided for us through Jesus, you and I stuck in sin, separated from a good and holy and perfect and loving God, you and I separated by that, uh, having been stuck in sin, God rescues through Jesus, God pursues us, he comes to us and offers us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation. And in the next few minutes, I want to highlight some things about our salvation. Our salvation brings freedom. Amen? Our salvation brings freedom. And those are the freedoms that we want to celebrate this morning as we gather as a church family, as we gather to worship. 
The freedoms that we want to think about are the freedoms that come in our salvation. And our salvation, our freedom, has uh, past aspects, present aspects, and future aspects. Our freedoms are past, present, and future. The way that God is, has saved us, is saving us, and will save us. We have been freed, past tense, from the penalty of our sin, from the guilt of our sin. We are being set free from the power in the, in the present, ongoing. We are being set free from the power of sin over us. And someday in the future, upon Jesus' return, we will be set free from the very presence of sin. Hallelujah for the cross. So the first one there, freedom from sin's penalty. This is something, a, a, a biblical, a, a theological term called justification. And when we think about our justification, justification is one aspect of our salvation. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you give your life to Christ, when you realize you can't save yourself, but because of your sin, you need Jesus to lead your life, and you call upon him, recognizing him to be God and, and asking him to rescue you, Part of our salvation is our justification, that we are set free from the penalty of sin, the guilt of our sin, that we are set free from what our sin calls for, what we deserve because of it. Jen Wilkin, who's an author and a teacher, Bible teacher, wrote this. When we came to saving faith in Christ, confessing our great need of him and asking for forgiveness from the punishment we deserved, get this, we were met with God's unequivocal yes. When we came to him to seek forgiveness from sin, we were met with God's unequivocal yes. Since Christ went to the cross to bear the penalty for our sin, to, to, to take upon himself the punishment that we deserve for our sin, we received freedom from the penalty of that sin. The sin, the sin that in our lives, we, we were freed from the penalty of our sins Past, present, and future. We were freed from the guilt of our sin and made right, put back in relationship, justified, justification. We were, because we were freed from that penalty of sin, we were put back in relationship with a good and perfect and holy God. Our, our penalty has been paid to God the judge. Listen to this good news on the screen, Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in Christ, you've been rescued by him, there is now no condemnation, no guilt, no penalty. For the law of the spirit of life has set you what? Free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Our justification is past tense. It's a done deal. There's no redo necessary. You have been saved. You are free from the penalty of your sin. So far, so good? That's freedom. That's freedom. The next theological term, the next aspect of our salvation we want to talk about is sanctification. This is the present tense. I would call this the present tense aspect of our salvation. You have been justified. You have been saved. We are being saved. We are being sanctified. 
Transformed into the image of Jesus is what that means. And, and, and so this sanctification process, being transformed into the image of Christ, means that we are being freed from sin's power over us. It's reign in our life. Before Christ, before you are in Christ, before you know Christ, before you become a follower of Christ, sin reigns over us. We're, we're, we're under its control. We sin by nature and by choice, and, and, we're, and we're stuck there. But Jen Wilkin writes, Though now we are surrounded on all sides by sinfulness, though now sin continues to cling to our hearts, that's true even ongoing, even in the present, though sin continues to cling to our hearts, on a day not too distant, we will go to a place where, I'm reading the wrong one. <laughs> I skipped ahead. Backing up. <laughs> when I just get excited, I start talking at you, and I don't look at my notes, and then we all, everything goes crazy. Freedom from sanctification is, the things I said about sanctification were the right things. <laughs> we are being set free from the power of sin in our life. Sin does not reign over us. We are being made new. We are being set free from the power of sin by the power of the Spirit working within us. Instead of being enslaved to sin, instead of being enslaved to sin, stuck in sin, uh, God's grace is restoring us. Get this. God's grace is restoring me, transforming me from the inside out, giving me a will, a desire that gets this, wants what he wants. On my own, I want what I want. Being set free, being sanctified, being transformed into the image of Jesus, we, we get a will that wants what God wants. And before we were saved, we were dominated by that sin and we chose sin at every turn. Jen Wilkin, Bible teacher, writes this. For those in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. Though we once chose only to sin, now we have the power and the growing desire to choose righteousness, to choose Jesus, to choose his ways, to stay out of sin. We have been set free from the power or the reign of sin in our life. But what do we know about our experience? If you're a follower of Jesus, and you may know this, I've been justified, I've been set free, I've been saved from the penalty of my sin, I'm being saved, I'm being sanctified, I'm being transformed in the likeness of Jesus. But do I always use that freedom? Sometimes, not always. Um, we still sin. And so you have to recognize that sanctification, our transformation process is ongoing. And, and it's not... Perfect. I would love to think of san, uh, sanctification as this line that goes neatly closer and closer to Jesus. And I think I've shared this with you before. Sometimes uh, there's a theologian out there that made a graph of what sanctification looks like, and it looks more like this. I'm more like Jesus. Oops. I'm more like Jesus. Sin. I'm more like Jesus. Right? So there's this ongoing process um, and it's slow moving sometimes as we grow toward holiness, as we grow in Christ's likeness. But we are being saved from sin's power. We're learning to choose righteousness instead of sin. We're learning to walk in obedience to God. We have increasing freedom from sin dominating our lives. That's freedom. That's part of our freedom in Christ. That's freedom for us to celebrate this morning. And then the third aspect of our salvation, we've done past and present. Now this future aspect of our salvation is called glorification. The theological term is called glorification. And this is the freedom from sin's presence. 
We have been saved. Past tense, done deal. You've been justified. You've been made right. You're free from the penalty of your sin. You, in the present tense, are being saved. You are free from the power of sin over you. And then in the future, when Jesus returns, we will be free from the presence of sin. Jen Wilkin writes, though we are now surrounded on all sides by sinfulness, though now sin continues to cling to our hearts, on a day not too distant, we will go to a place where sin is no more. In our glorification, we will be at last granted freedom from the very presence of sin. Our glorification is coming. It is the day we trade the, persistence of, uh, uh, the persistent presence of sin we trade that away for the perfect presence of the Lord Jesus. We will be saved from sin's very presence. Again, what we, what we sang a few minutes ago. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for the cross. I was a prisoner to sin, and now what? And now I'm not. That's freedom, church family. Freedom past present and future. Salvation, past, present, and future. We've been freed from the penalty of sin. We are being freed from the power of sin, and we will be free of the presence of sin. So what do I do, follower of Jesus, what do we do with that freedom? Does that freedom mean I'm independent, autonomous, and I do whatever I want? In America, as far as your citizenship, Yes, we can have those values of independence and autonomy and freedom, but we're in here gathered for worship. We're here as followers of Jesus desiring what he has for our lives. Instead of, let's celebrate our freedoms in America later today, and I'm inviting us this morning to consider the freedoms we have because of Christ, and I'm asking, what, is the, what do those freedoms mean for me? What do they mean for you and the way you live out your life? Does it mean I'm independent, autonomous, I do whatever I want? John Piper says that our freedom is described as free, joyful, satisfying obedience to God. It might go against some of our American instincts. It definitely goes against our selfish, sinful selfishness. It's countercultural. It's counterintuitive to think that my freedom is actually joyful, satisfying obedience to our great God. That's what freedom looks like. That's how our freedom is acted out. This will be on the screen. In John 8, in John 8 Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, if Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. What is that? What is it like to be free indeed? Elsewhere, Galatians 5.1, Paul describes it this way. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery to sin. So we're no longer enslaved to sin. We have been saved past tense. We are being saved present tense. We will be saved future tense. We are no longer enslaved to sin. What does the Bible say we do with our freedom? And again, listen to, these, listen to these verses I'm about to share. And again, I'm going to ask us to think, is this what the world would tell us? Or is, is God's way different? What does our freedom lived out look like? 
Galatians 5.13 will be on the screen. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, for my own desires, for what I think is best, for what feels good to me. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, but through love serve one another. That's not, it doesn't exactly sound like the independence and the autonomy and the self, what's best for me way that might come natural to us. Use your freedom, but use it to love and serve others. That verse, actually, this this is not on the screen, but that verse up there continues like this. For the whole law of God is fulfilled in one word or one phrase. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Where do we put our freedoms into action? What do we do with our freedoms, with our words? Love and serve. And then on the screen is 1 Peter 2. This is another place where we want to hear from God's word. What do we do with our freedom in Christ? Live as people who are free. Sound good? Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as what? Servants of God. Again, we, we tend to think of our freedom as leading to independence and doing whatever I want and living for me. God calls us, because of the freedom we have in Christ, to live for him. And living for God means loving others and serving others. That verse up there continues like this. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, or honor the governing authorities. There are times that our freedom in Christ involves submitting to others. We could keep going in 1 Peter. We'd see there's times when believers submit to the government, submit to their workplace, in their workplaces, submit to one another in marriage. So... um, A pastor uh, that I read this week wrote this. Instead of being a hopeless and helpless slave to Satan and sin, do we want to be there? That's slavery to sin. That's being stuck in our old old ways, in our old flesh. Instead of being a, a hopeless and helpless slave to Satan and sin, Christ has saved sinners to be slaves to him. And here in this relationship, there is freedom. Freedom to live Delight, hope, give, receive, and be. Christ has set sinners free. And and we could go on and on for this next part. And you could look all over your Bible and find examples. You You have been set free. You have been saved. You are no longer enslaved to sin. And God wants you to use your your freedom, not for self, not for doing whatever you want but for his glory and to serve others. And we could read many, many places in our Bible and we could see what our Christian freedom lived out looks like. But I mean, here's a few. When, when, when P, that verse that was on the screen, when Peter says that we are to live as people who are free, what kinds of examples do we have from God's word? We are free to, well, I'll jump back actually to our Ephesians series language. We're free to walk worthy. 
We're free to live a life that is glorifying to God. We're free to live a life that is worthy of the glorious good news of what Jesus has done for us. That's what we're free to do. We're free to live for him. We're free for our lives to be conformed to what Jesus is like. For Jesus to live his perfect life out through us in our spheres of influence. That's what we're free to do. We're free to not be influenced by the world. To live for him. We're free to walk by the spirit living within us, not gratifying the desires of the flesh. We're free to not lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven or treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. We're free instead to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven by doing what pleases him, by living out his ways, by obeying him. We're free to be content in whatever situation we find ourselves in. We're free to live for Jesus. We're free to obey Jesus. We're free to live out the ways of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you follow Jesus. As part of following Jesus, we look at what he is like and we increasingly begin to emulate him. God wants to, by the power of his spirit, help you to live your life as Jesus would in your friendships and in your workplace and at your school and, and, and in the circumstances you find yourself in. Freedom is, is living as Jesus would in, in what God has given you to do. We have freedom to love others. We have freedom to serve others. We have freedom to put others ahead of ourselves. We have freedom to be conduits of God's love to those around us. We have freedom to be proclaimers of the gospel good news to those around us. The gospel is the spectacular news that God has rescued sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We have an opportunity, we have freedom to be proclaimers of that spectacular news to people who are dying and doomed around us. That's freedom. And you know what? We even have freedom to die. We have freedom to die because the Bible says in Philippians that to die is, and to be with Christ in heaven is far better than anything we've known here. So we even have the freedom to die because we are in Christ. So we're going we're gonna to celebrate the 4th of July and what that means to the United States later in our day today. Have the barbecue. Keep wearing your red, white, and blue. Thank God for the freedoms we have in our country. Live as a Christian. Live out your citizenship in our country. We're gonna, we can do those things. Those are good. And we can do those things today. But unlike the United States where we celebrate our freedom of autonomy, independence, do whatever I want, believers in Christ celebrate a declaration of dependence. We, we have an opportunity today and every day to make a declaration of dependence. Instead of, of freedom to live for self, we are free to trust and treasure and live for Jesus. We depend. We depend 
completely on his perfect life, his substitutionary death, and his glorious resurrection from the dead. We have an opportunity to declare our dependence on the Son of God, on our rescuer Jesus, because we are hopeless and helpless without him. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your love for us. We are thankful for that your love for us includes the freedoms that we have as citizens of the United States of America. We're thankful for that. Thank you for your love to us in so many ways. And Father, we are thankful for your love. More importantly, we are thankful for your love that is shown to us through Christ. Father, we thank you for the words of Romans 5.8 that you have demonstrated your great love for us in that while we were enslaved to sin, before we looked to you, before we had the power to save ourselves, before we could match up or earn it, while we were stuck in sin, Jesus died for us. Jesus died that we might live. God, we thank you that you are a God who comes after us, who pursues us, who doesn't leave us stuck and enslaved in our sin, but who has made a way out. God, we thank you for justification, that you have, that you have set us free from the penalty of our sin, the guilt of our sin, and brought us into right relationship with you. God, we thank you for the present tense aspect of our salvation. God, we thank you for freedom from, from the power of sin in our life. Thank you that we are increasingly able to choose you and to choose right. And God, we thank you and we look forward to our future tense freedoms, our future tense salvation of being free from sin's presence at all. What a great God you are. What a loving Father you are. We thank you for the freedoms that you have given us because of Jesus. Freedoms to not live for ourselves, but freedoms to glorify you in everything we do and freedom to serve others. Help us to love because you loved us first. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.